Welcome to the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Perfection is something that is achieved and not ascribed. Just like the diamond in the rough, everyone is born with potential to be a leader inside of them, but that potential needs to be set free. Sometimes, all it takes is a little bit of pressure to allow the diamonds within us to shine. This inspiring podcast will remind you that even the most brilliant diamonds are formed under pressure. Each episode features educational and inspirational conversations with leaders from the energy industry who will share their stories and the pressures that shape them into the diamond that they are today. The goal is to provide both educational and inspirational podcasts. So hold on into this beautiful ride with me. My name is Stacy. Let's get started. Welcome to the new episode. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker for today, the Deputy Vice Chancellor, Research Innovation and Commercialization from University Technology Petronas. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Professor Dr. Muhammad Shaheli. Hi, Stacy. Thank you for having me. On your podcast, Professor Dr. Shahir, could you please provide us with an overview of your career path, from when you first started in the offshore industries to when you transitioned to academia? Just to share a little bit more, where the career trajectory took place uh, upon completion of my PhD in 1988. But uh, before that, I just uh, would like to emphasize on the fact that I have been working with some pretty renowned professor in the area of wind engineering. You know, in Texas, uh, those guys are still alive. Uh, we are still in contact with each other, although they are about 20 years my senior, right? And they are still active as a professor at the university. What has happened is actually I I I started to pick that up as a wind engineering and didn't know that has anything to do with the uh, offshore industry at that point in time, especially my ocean. Upon completion of my uh, PhD, I went on to work in uh, around the uh, area of the Gulf, and uh, at that point in time, uh, Brown and Roots was part and parcel of it, uh, as well as the Basco. There are a few. There are a lot of players actually uh, in that particular sense. So, uh, in, in short, actually uh, the transition started from onshore side, uh, capital projects, you know, development of it, and then that slowly been applied to the offshore and eventually to the offshore towards the later part of my career. And that is uh, kind of exciting because there are a lot of challenges. Engineering-wise, it remains the same, Stacy. Nothing unusual about that, except the conditions are different, right? You put something in on land, you put something in the water. Uh, you have to look at the uh, transition that is going to take place in your design. The COVID nineteen pandemic has forced many organizations to reinvent themselves to accelerate their digital transformation plans. 
In your recent interview with the Star Media, you discussed the importance of a business mindset among researchers and how early investments in digitalizations are paying off. Having innovated several technological advancements in the areas of digital processing in monitoring offshore facilities, how will digital shape the future of the oil and gas industry? Uh, Stacy, that is a fantastic question you have just asked. I don't mind sharing uh, with the uh, the people who are listening to this. Uh, from my perspective, actually, right when I saw how tedious uh, when I came to UTP in 2009, 2010, I developed a team of people, uh, researchers, uh, undergraduate and post postgraduate at the same time, and I noted that uh, we have. A person or an organization supporting Petronas, and they have been uh, providing a lot of data to Petronas. At the same time, people are actually doing a physical inspection. You know, six months you have to inspect something. You go out to the offshore platform, take a look at that, certify it's okay, and then come back. You know, that is very costly. So, uh, so what I've done is that the team and I we have developed a method. Of uh, digitalizing what we have been seeing, because in essence, those are engineering. It can be done, you know. But when oil prices are high, everybody are very complacent. They do not really look into the innovative side of the uh, data. And we actually first clue into that. I think our our technology, the first technology that has been trademarked out, is Poseidon. We even won the. Offshore Technology Conference number one in the world in 2018. So I mean uh, that sort of technology is actually a digital technology. It's a subset of that. And when I take note of that in 2018, and I also noted that there have been some level of uh, maneuvering around data analytics as far as offshore asset is concerned. So uh, we bring in our team together. We look at the digitalization aspect of that. You know, we can forecast, we can predict fatigue failure, we can predict uh, what happened to the offshore platform. Just that there are so many data, people are starting to wonder how to use the data. So, as a, a, a knowledge body, a university typically is, we found that uh, uh, digitalization is very important to the oil and gas industry because oil and gas industry are full with data, right? And of course, they won't be sharing their data with other people. But uh, since Petronas are very uh, are our mother company, so we have been working closely with Petronas. Now, how this has been paying off? When we started the digital journey in 2018, I told uh, our team when I look at the mega trend of the world, digital is digitalization is going to be the number one thing until the year 2025, and there is no two ways about it. And that happens, Stacy. And uh, the interesting fact is that. Uh, As our team developed this, we started to break through with the client and apply the technology, apply our knowledge to getting jobs. And over during the pandemic, I guess digitalization became the number one thing. You know, uh, people buying things online, uh, people having discussion meeting online. So in essence, the digitalization just sort of fit in and then uh, move forward uh, smoothly. And that's how we shape. The future of the oil and gas industry. From our perspective, we have been helping Petronas to look into some of the particular of uh, digital and data analytics.
So uh, this thing is going to be keep on moving. And now we are actually going to other client to do our digitalization uh, capacity and competency. And also we have been training a lot of the industry captains uh, and their corporations uh, as far as digitalization is concerned, Stacey. The COVID-19 not only forced numerous organizations to accelerate their digital transformation plans, but also drastically altered how energy and operations are managed. In your opinion, what are the key challenges of transitioning to remote ways of working? This is a good question. I guess uh, human, uh, the working people, organization, the bosses, the leaders of the uh, current corporations suddenly wake up to the reality that, you know, uh, we can actually work anywhere around the world to support a particular projects. We just need to have good uh, data connections, for example, the most basic of all. And of course, we know only 50% of the world are actually connected digitally. So um, one of the key challenges of transitioning to remote ways of working is actually in educating people how this thing is going to work. We have the data, we have the IT capability, we have uh, the capability of using the algorithm. We are engineers, we are uh, CIS guys, you know, there are a lot of things that we, we know, but just transforming that into the digital aspect of that will require some mindset, mind shift. Luckily, we started in 2018, so by the time COVID hits, uh, we are actually the first. We do not sit down there and wait for things to happen. Uh, as a Deputy Vice Chancellor of Research, Innovation and Commercialization, I actually went ahead and uh, bring in our team to we revisit all our clients, even during the pandemic, to assure that everything is okay, collaboration is moving ahead, our research is going on. And through this mode, uh, we have been able to manage uh, our business plan and actually we are ahead of our business plan in the year 2019, 2020 and 2021. So that means that uh, we have we have actually embraced digitalization in a very big way and as such this is something that uh, has been a successful formula for us in transitioning from the remote ways of working. As a role model and leader with decades of experience in industry and now academia supporting research and innovation, what advice do you have for the younger generation pursuing their life goals? Okay, Stacey, I think uh, this is something that's good. I've been asked this question in my... I have done two leadership uh, training to the young people. Same question has been asked. I always tell them there is no shortcut to success. Hard work is a formula to success. So therefore, you must always work hard and be professional in your life and stay truthful to your cause. You will be successful in your life. That's my advice. What life challenges and pressures have you faced in life that shape you into the diamond that you are today? A good question. Uh, a little bit personal, but I don't mind sharing. Uh, number one, I, I, I come from a poor family, right? Uh, I, I don't mean I don't have enough food to eat. I have food to eat, but uh, it was nothing uh, luxurious at all. Uh, and uh, I'm always afraid, fearful of being poor. That's uh, when I first, when I was six years old, I, I thought of that. Uh, I have developed that. And uh, as I go on to become a youth in my teens, I also started to look at identity, uh, who I want to be, what I want to be. 
And in my early years, I wanted to be, you know, in school, they always ask you, what are your three things that you want to be in the future? I gave them myself to be an engineer. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a doctor, right? These are the three things. And I guess I have covered all these things. I, my doctor at that point in time, I was referring to medical doctor, but now I got PhD, so I'm still called a doctor anyway. So I have been a doctor, a scientist, and an engineer. And uh, challenges that I have that I really appreciate is my, uh, my, my mother, has been the uh, my my late mother has been inspirational in terms of bringing me where I am today. Uh, she provided me a seed fund when I went to United States uh, at 17, 18 years old. I was already quite enterprising. I was looking at university that actually look at Malaysia as a third world country, and as a third world country, I'm entitled to pay in institution. Institution at a point in time is only four US dollars per credit hours, huh? Uh, I need 135 credit hours to graduate from my bachelor's degree. So for four US dollars per credit hour, that's cheap. That's dirt cheap. But today you don't get that anymore. But anyway, I went on and that was my first attempt at that. And I always work at the universities, right? I help professors, I, I clean dishes and so on. So I had my first break when professor brought me in to do research with him fully. And eventually uh, uh, working in the research. When I finished my bachelor's degree with high honors, uh, the uh, professor said, why don't you go for your PhD direct? You can forget about masters. And I did just that and uh, I made it. And uh, the, the things that I have learned is actually to work with people, to have the soft skills and also to look at opportunities. And opportunities don't come just like that. Uh, it comes through networking. It comes through people trust of you. It comes through your professionalism. And uh, those are the challenges. Then when I was uh, in the industry, uh, Stacey, I noted that there are a lot of things that is going around in the industry that is not quite right, you know, professionally or not. And uh, but I, I I endure through it. I've seen many things in my life in the when I was in the industry as a consultant, as a management, as a top management, working for multinational, uh, become the head of multinational for the Southeast Asia region and so on for many many years. I guess the things that life challenges for me is always to. I always tell our team, when you play, you must play to win. You cannot just play for the sake of playing. You know, just to be participating, you are just wasting time and, and, and resources. So people always think that I am like uh, in the Asia culture, we call it Kiasu. The answer is not. Actually, I, I, I am more like uh, creating a culture of high performance culture. And today, uh, after coming to UTP, I noted academic has a has a strong track mind in the sub in the subject matter in which they are an expert in so i have developed them to have a business skill set as well and those sort of challenges and pressure uh, is where it shaped me today and i am very strong believer in mentoring young people i mentor a lot of young people and they are very successful now there are some of them you will know who they are uh, i don't want to mention name and uh, i am very pleased because my philosophy in my in my life towards the end of my I'm heading towards sunset Stacy right so you know uh, I cannot be here forever but I always believe that a good leader will always create more leaders right wow I really like what you just said indeed um, the ultimate responsibility however rewarding in many aspects is to be the leader that creates small changes with great impact Thank you so much for sharing your simple, straightforward, yet powerful philosophy for us to learn and practice as a guide. 
Thank you. Uh, you're most welcome, uh, Stacy. Always remember that a diamond with a flow is worth more than a pebble without imperfections. Thank you for listening to the Diamond in the Rough podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment and stay tuned for the next episode. Remember that even the most brilliant diamond was formed under pressure. Be that diamond that thrives under pressure and shines brilliantly.